This episode is sponsored by Macmillan Audio. If you're like me and still missing the audiobook experience of The Nightingale, you'll want to add Beyond That the Sea by Laura Spence Ash and read by L. Potter to your list. As German bombs fall over London in 1940, two working class parents make an impossible choice. They decide to send their 11-year-old daughter Beatrix to America for the duration of the war. Soon B slips seamlessly into a new life with an affluent Boston family, and the girl she had been begins to fade away, until abruptly the war ends and she's called home to London. This is a beautifully written, utterly absorbing novel. Start listening to Beyond That the Sea by Laura Spence Ash now, wherever audiobooks are sold. Hello and welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer, Laura Zaro-Kopinski, and today my guest is Diane Marie Brown, author of Black Candle Women, a warm and wry family drama with a magical twist about four generations of Black women living under one roof and the family curse that stems back to a voodoo shop in 1950s New Orleans. Diane Marie Brown is a professor at, at Orange Coast College and a public health professional for the Long Beach Health Department. She has a bachelor's and MPH from UCLA and a degree in fiction from USC's Master of Professional Writing program. She grew up in Stockton and now lives in Long Beach, California with her husband, their four daughters, and their dog, Brownie. Black Candle Women is her debut novel. Welcome, Diane. Thank you for being here, and congrats on your new book. Thank you, Laura. Thanks for having me. I really loved spending time with this family, um, and I have been um, excited to hear more about the characters and kind of the inspiration for the book. But I guess first, mm-hmm. can you just tell listeners a bit about a bit more about the premise for Black Candle Women and the characters we meet in the novel? Sure. Well, um, so Black Candle Women, uh, again, tells the story of a family of women, the Montrose family. And um, there are generations of this family that all live in the same house in Long Beach, California. They live their quiet, solitary lives. Uh, but that's really used as a protection um, because they are living under the grips of this family curse, uh, a curse that will kill anyone with whom a Montrose woman falls in love. Uh, However, this is something that's unbeknownst to the youngest Montrose woman, uh, Nikki. Uh, And our story starts when uh, she brings home a love interest, uh, on her 17th birthday to her birthday dinner. And this is something that now the rest of the family has to grapple with. They knew that the time would come when they would need to talk to Nikki about the curse, but um, just being in denial and not dealing with the fact that Nikki is a young woman and she's going to be venturing out. And of course, having, um, you know, wanting to, get into a relationship, grow up, leave the house. And so they have to um, deal with that reality and maybe her not wanting to um, live the same way that the the rest of the family has. Um, And through the family matriarch, uh, Augusta, we travel back uh, to 1950s New Orleans, where we learn about the curse's origin. Um, and also an old book of spells that might have answers for their family's future. So Augusta's 
the matriarch, the oldest, and then Nikki is 17, the youngest. And then uh, we have uh, two sisters. So Victoria is Nikki's mom, and she's kind of the um, the the glue of the family. It's the they live in her home. She runs her business out of her home, um, and her sister Willow uh, works as her uh, assistant. So that's the family. We um, we see the story through the points of view of these four women, but there are some other women that also play key roles. Um, the uh, Victoria and Willow's mother. So um, Augusta is their grandmother and Nikki's great grandmother. But uh, we also at some point meet Madeline, who is um, Victoria and Willow's mother. And, um, Back in New Orleans, New Orleans, we meet uh, Bella Nova, who is a voodoo sorceress uh, who Augusta worked for when she was about Nikki's age. So that's those are the women in uh, Black Candle. Well, there's so many interesting characters and the book also has, you know, such a great hook and premise. And I was just sort of wondering, where did the novel start for you? Was it a particular character or or plot point or yeah I guess just how did it start kind of in your imagination yeah so um the story itself just started uh based on a a writing prompt when uh I was in school in my um writing program and during this time I just had been thinking of different characters and um just had the idea of a of a woman who has some sort of ability uh and it was uh, uh something that she was able to do a skill that she had um but it had been passed on through generations in some way and so um that was just kind of the starting point of the idea um my family, both of my parents are from Louisiana. And as a kid, I would go to New Orleans uh, by train with my mom every summer. And we'd spend time with my uncle there. And it was just so different than um, kind of my sheltered, isolated life in Northern California. And I, I just loved being there. I just have good memories there, the smells and the sounds. And um, so I always wanted to figure out a way that I could write about uh, New Orleans in some way. And then also around this time, I just started doing some research on my family history, wanting to know more about my ancestors. Um, I'm an only child and um, my all of my cousins are quite older than me. So I was just kind of... Um, I didn't have like that tight knit family. Um, I always wanted siblings. Um, I always wanted like a lot of cousins around and I, I knew my cousins, but they were all, um, they didn't live in the same town and they were a good 15 to 20 years older than I was. And so I always had a big imagination. So also this kind of came from me imagining um, just having a, um, a family with that dynamic, having a sister, knowing my uh, grandparents. I didn't know my grandparents. And so just a little bit of that curiosity and imagination being carried on as an adult as well. Um, yeah. I love that. And it, it's kind of 
it's just interesting how that comes through sometimes as like as a reader, I felt like it was this nice kind of escape to spend time with this really close knit family and kind of dive into their relationships and everything. And so maybe it was a little bit like that as a writer too, that just like Mm -hmm. really enjoying being with that tight knit family. That's really interesting. Well, you know, because we have these sort of multiple perspectives and this, this cast of characters, but they all are so um, like, we know each of them so well. And I just kind of wondered, how did you go about bringing all these different characters to life? And were there any that gave you particular trouble sort of getting to know them or getting into their heads? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think I mostly wrote um, Augusta's story first. So again, Augusta is a matriarch and a lot of her scene, most of her scenes, we go back to New Orleans and I really enjoyed, um, I did a lot of research for those scenes and um, uh, into voodoo and hoodoo and all the different practices. And so those came to me very, very um, easily. And so then I just had to find a way to weave everyone else's story around her. Um, I think uh, Nikki's story as a teenager also came uh, really well. I had a lot more, um, probably a lot more content of Nikki's that was in there in the original version, because I think the story centered a lot more on her. Um, But just writing from a place of, I, I, I can easily recall those teenage years um, just because <laughs> of, you, all, you know, all the stuff that goes on as teenagers is just very vivid and all those emotions are just so, so real. Um, they stay with you um, sometimes. And so um, I wrote her um, pretty easily. Um, I think I had the hardest time with, Victoria, just because she is the one that um, I think had a, well, Willow and Victoria were keeping in um, some big secrets and wanted to hide. And so um, having a way to reveal some things through both of these characters over the novel um, I just had to think more about that and rewrite a lot of their their chapters. So um, I think those both of them were um, a little bit tougher to write than the older and the younger character. And um, the which is interesting because uh, Will and Victoria, they were especially at the time when I first started writing this, I started I was in my writing program over 10 years ago, um, I started this. And so I was about the same age as these characters. Um, so, but for some reason it was harder to write, um, both of those characters. Um, well, that was going to be one of my questions too. I'm always kind of interested in authors writing journeys and I'm sure kind of aspiring writers listening would be too. Um, could you tell us a little bit about maybe starting, like maybe why you've wanted to start in your writing program and kind of how it all evolved to like querying and finding an agent and getting published kind of a Mm -hmm. little bit about your journey. Yes. So it's been a pretty long journey. Um, As (laughs) many people, uh, I've listened to your show before and I've, you know, it's always interesting to hear um, other people's journeys. Um, 
So I used to write when I was younger, when I was in high school, but just never, I don't know. It, it was kind of a different time where, you know, my, my parents were both educators and you go to college, you, you know, to go to business school or to become a, you know, a scientist or just very kind of practical careers. And so as much as I loved writing, like I never thought of that as a career, you know, that was just something that I liked to do, but I never really put the pieces together that this is something that I could do for a living. Um, so in my twenties, still, um, my early twenties finished school and, um, was reading Terry McMillan and I was just blown away. Like, Oh wow. Look, look at this, um, this black woman who's telling very contemporary stories and they're fun and they're dramatic and interesting. And, you know, that was the first time when I was like, well, Hey, maybe this is something that I can do. So, but didn't really, um, I was pretty naive about it at the time. Um, but then, started writing more in my thirties and um, finished a book and found an agent and um, worked with that agent for a while, shopping that book around, um, but never really got um, a lot of uh, traction on it. And we just kind of gave it up. Um, But she said, you know, keep writing and I will always, you know, read anything that you want to share with me. Um. But I just found that I, I thought I needed some, um, I needed to learn more about the craft. Um, where some people can just pick things up from reading, I really felt that I needed to um, get some more structured support. And so um, I found a writing program that worked well. It was, it catered to um, people who are, working professionals. And so the classes were all in the evenings and it was taught by working professionals. So I had some really great um, instructors and um, I feel like that really helped my, um, my craft and kind of changed the type of writing that I did. And so um, after um, being the black candle woman, uh, the first 100 pages of that was my thesis for the program. And so after the program, I finished um, a very early version of it and sent it to that agent. And she just wasn't as connected. Again, it was a different kind of writing than what I had been doing before. Um, And it, and it needed work. It was a very early draft. And, um, and so I worked on it, for a few more years here and there, sending out again, and just never found um, an agent. Even though I got interest and um, people thought it had promise, but uh, just didn't connect with an agent. And so um, in the summer of 2020, uh, my publisher, uh, Graydon House, they did an open call for um, unagent- unagented fiction from... Um, black woman. And I submitted, I, I had moved on to writing something else. I loved this story, but um, just thought I needed to work on something else. And so I said, well, I have this book already done. And so I submitted it. And um, 
they read um, my, the editor there asked for a full manuscript. And so I sent that and they, with that, I think they received over a thousand submissions and they oh, said wow. that they would give uh, feedback to everyone who submitted something um, and they didn't promise that they would publish anything, but um, that's, they were looking to find um, some new voices. And so that was in the summer, um, February, 2021, February, March, February, 21. I um, heard back from the person who became my editor there that uh, they wanted to um, purchase black candle woman, but they wanted me to be agent. So they helped me find my wonderful agent who I probably would not have connected with otherwise because she was close to submissions. And um, it's kind of been this crazy roller coaster ride uh, since then. So, yeah. That's so cool. And I just always think it's so interesting to hear there's so many different winding ways mm-hmm. to publication. If you love hearing about the path to publishing a book on this podcast, I highly recommend you check out the hashtag AmWriting podcast with authors KJ Delantonia, Jess Leahy, and Serena Bowen. Hashtag AmWriting is the place for fun, actionable advice for getting your work done for writers in every genre. This is my favorite writing podcast. I've been listening for years, and the hosts have really become author mentors I can easily access while I take a walk or wait for the school bus. I've gotten so many great tips on approaches to outlining, writing a first draft, revision, craft book recommendations, promotion, accountability. I can't imagine trying to achieve my goal of publishing a book without their weekly show. And their archive is a treasure trove. If there's something in your writing life you're wondering about or struggling with, they've done an episode on it. Start listening to Hashtag Am Writing today with your favorite podcast app. And if you're interested in hearing more about co-host KJ Delantonia's latest novel, In Her Boots, which is a laugh-out-loud delight and must-read, you can go back to episode 113 of A Bookish Home. That's interesting, too, the kind of getting matched later with your agent. And how did that work? Did you get to kind of like give them like a wish list at all? Or did they have names that they recommended? Yes, they had a few names that they recommended. And I wanted to kind of take it, not take it slowly. I didn't want to go um, reach out to a bunch of agents. So I only reached out to two agents um, at the time. And um, Sharice, like she was my dream agent. And, um, I was worried because I didn't hear back from her right away. And I'm like, Oh, great. She's not gonna, <laughs> you know, she's not interested or, but, um, I, I just followed up with her and, um, she's like, can we have a, a zoom call? And we did. And not only did we connect um as far as the work but just personalities we um we discovered that we are like birthday twins like the exact exact same year exact same day uh and we're like it's meant to be and so um yeah just that feels very right for this book too like a mystical quality yes um oh that's very cool um Well, you know, as you've continued to go on um, and kind of go through the whole publishing process and now sort of like bringing the book out into the world, is there anything that kind of 
has surprised you as like a debut novelist going through all that? Yes, it's um, def- the the pacing. And I'd kind of heard this before, but um, the, the, well, first off, um, my editor would probably laugh if she hears me say this, but the, the revision process, um, and I know it's, it's different for everyone, but, um, we were in the trenches for, for quite a while. And, but I, I'm so glad because, um, just from where it was to getting it, um, to the, the final version, um, she just had me think through some things and add some things and take away some things and uh, really refine it to um, make it the the best work um, that we thought it could possibly be before sending it out. Um, and then just the pace of publishing, it's, it's slow until it's not. And then it's super fast <laughs> until it's not. And uh, just understanding that, you know, you'll, even just with um, when we were um, going through, because I had a different title um, and then just coming up, we just didn't think the title was was right and would make sense. And so um, going through the process of finding a title, we I think we had like 60 titles that we went through and all that goes oh, into wow. just coming up with the right uh, title. And um, so, yeah, just, and just so many pieces, so many people that are doing work on your behalf that you don't maybe realize, you know, maybe you think you're like, oh, I have my editor and I have, um, you know, there's somebody who's helping with publicity. But no, there's like, there's so many hardworking people behind the scenes that are doing great work. Um, All the you know, the connections to booksellers, you know, and people like you who are doing work on behalf of authors. Um, I just probably didn't realize how much was going on before. Well, that makes me think too, as you're talking about all the different um, titles considered for people who haven't seen it, it's such a gorgeous, colorful, beautiful cover. Mm -hmm. Were there lots and lots of versions of that as well? And were you involved in that process? So the cover was um, a a wonderful surprise in that the the cover that you see was pretty much uh, the first version that we saw, and oh, wow. um, I didn't even I remember seeing the email. I didn't see the original email because I'm I'm on the West Coast, so I'm always three hours behind everyone. So I woke up and I just saw my agent's um, response and it was something like I'm in awe and it's beautiful. And I'm like, what is she talking about? And then I scroll down, I see cover <laughs> and I'm like, Oh no, because I uh, had heard so many horror stories about covers. And um, so I opened the email and I saw it and it just, I was like, yes, that, that is it. So there are some few tweaks here and there, but um, the artist is a woman um who goes um, named Bokiba and she's just, she's amazing. Um, So she added a few touches here and there, um, but um, not a whole lot of drafts. And it was just the one um, cover that they shared. And I'm sure 
you know, there would have been, um, if I wouldn't, if I would have hated it or anything, I, I could have talked to the team about it, but we, we all loved it right away. Yeah. It's just, it's just stunning. Um, well, you know, I always love to hear too, um, what authors have been reading themselves lately and kind of along with that, um, if there are sort of writers that you um, really admire or who have been kind of like helping you along the way in this process? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, I finished, I just finished um, two books, not just finished, um, but a couple months ago, but they were like, um, they stay with me and uh, two writers that I happened to meet on a panel, the very first panel that I did um, in New Orleans um, back in, I think, September. Uh, uh, Decent People by Deshaun Charles Winslow. He is the author of um, a book called In West Mills that won the Centers for Fiction First Novel Prize a few years ago. Um, And a debut by a woman, uh, E.M. Tran, uh, Daughters of the New Year, um, both very um, wonderful books. Um, Daughters of the New Year is uh, is beautifully written, and um, I felt con- connected. Her story is about a family of uh, Vietnamese women um, that I thought had some uh, crossover similarities to Black Candle Woman and uh, Decent People, um, is a kind of a murder mystery in a small town. And so that was a lot of fun to read. Um, I'm currently reading, uh, I'm a, um, I read multiple things at once. I listen to some things and I read something on Kindle and I read hard, uh, cover, um, so I'm reading uh, Swimmers by Julie Otsuka because I heard a lot of good things about it and it's short. Um, and then I'm <laughs> listening to Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver, which is not short, but it's a great to, I'm enjoying the, the um, audio for that. Um, I always love and, a good audio book recommendation. I'm the same. Yes. I've got one, one book in like print. I've got an audio book going, and then you've got to have something on the Kindle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. <sighs> and then there are quite a few being in. So my book was supposed to come out back in November, but got um, pushed um, because we still were doing work on it. So um, you might've, have, might've have heard of um, these debut Slack communities which um huge no okay so um some way we i found um and a lot of other debuts find these uh slack groups and so there is a slack group for all the the writers that were debuting in 2022 and we share stories resources um all all kinds of things promote one another um, it can be a little overwhelming because it's a lot of writers. So I was in the 22 group. And then um, when my book got moved, I also joined the 23 group. But I've connected to some different writers in both groups. Um, and they've been a big support. Um, and so um, 
hearing about their um, experiences and reading all of their books has been really, really great. Um, And then as far as writers that I just love, um, it might not, I don't know if it came across, but I love uh, Zora Neale Hurston. Um, She is wonderful. And I, kind of didn't realize it at the time, but um, there's a lot of connections between um, uh, some of the voodoo saints that I um, talk about in Black Candle Women and um, what I've learned may be the inspirations for some of the characters, or at least one of the characters in Their Eyes Are Watching God. Um, So I love Zora Neale Hurston. I also really love, um, and I don't even know if I say his name right, um, Jeffrey Eugenides or Jeffrey Eugenides. Um, oh, I can picture. The, I don't know how to say it either, but I can picture yes. it in my mind. <laughs> yes. Um, he wrote the book uh, Middle Sex. He's written and The Virgin Suicides and um, some other books. But I love uh, Middle Sex, which is kind of a an epic family saga that takes place over different cotton continents. And I, I just really, um, I love that book um, a lot. Um, and kind of a contemporary writer that I really um, admire is uh, Sadika Johnson, who ha- she's the author of Yellow Wife. Um, she has a new book that comes out uh, next month. And um I just really love Yellow Wife and her writing. And she happens to be my, um, we're wrapped by the same agent. So um, she's, she's wonderful. <laughs> oh, wonderful. And I'll definitely link to all of those books. Um, and I know this is, this is just coming out, but I'm curious um, maybe what you're writing next and maybe just a little bit about kind of what your writing routine is like these days. Yes. So um, I'm trying to get back into a regular uh, writing routine and I should take advantage of it now because I teach. Um, And so I've been off for three weeks and I'm off for three more weeks. So I should have gotten a lot more writing done, but I I have (laughs) not. Um, But I am um, working on a... um, I was, I kind of got the inspiration about having like a, a secret ingredient. Um, there is an ingredient called um, chartreuse. I think it's used in um, cocktails. I was watching the show and apparently there's um, two monks in somewhere in, in Europe, only two monks who know that uh, how to create this and they pass that um, recipe on over time, but only two monks know how to make it. And so I, I was inspired by that. So um, I'm writing a book about something with a secret ingredient that has been um, kept secret for centuries and passed on and the secret is going to get out somehow. So I'm at the very beginning stages of writing that. Um, but when That's I'm in cool. my zone, I'm writing like um, a couple of hours every morning. I usually I give myself like a word count um, goal 
Um, and I write on the computer or I'll write on a notepad just as long as I get the, the words in. Yeah, well, I will definitely um, look forward to reading the next book. That already sounds really interesting. And I hope listeners go pick up Black Candle Women at their local independent bookstore or library. And Dan, just thank you so much for coming on and congrats in on the book. Thank you, Laura. It's been great talking to you. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.